Are you interested in improving your health and fitness? I know you are. So, I made a podcast all about transforming your life with a changed mindset, good nutrition, and effective exercise. Head to supremeholisticfitness.com to find out more. Trust me, it's life-changing. Welcome to another episode of the Supreme Holistic Fitness Podcast. And today I will be chatting with Miss Franca Phillip. She is a food writer. You heard that right. We all love food. So you know this one is going to be interesting. And we actually touched on some of the different food intolerances people have and the different alternatives or options that they have that's available to them so they don't have to suffer in silence because we all love to eat but let me give you a little bit about miss franca's background she's a trinidadian journalist former bbc producer founder of trini good media and writers of caribbean beats food column she founded Goat Toba Titi in 2018 after seeing the growing popularity of Goat Toba. Listening as I chat with her and find out more. Frank, really nice. Thank you. you. Thank you. No problem. It's really good having you on this live. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, um, where do I start? I'm a fun-loving, complicated individual. I have interests in various fields, particularly, as you mentioned, food, music. Um, I'm a journalist, obviously, so it means matters of media. I pay great attention to stuff like that. I'm also slightly obsessive with certain things. I follow Marvel. Um, Lately, I've been following all the Marvel series on Disney+. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, You know, I love my friends. I love my family. Um, and I think that, um, I'm pretty cool. Okay. I think, it's really, <laughs> I also think it's really cool that you're a food writer. Um, yes. I know there are different, different people who write about food, they're nutritionists, they're dietitians, but mm-hmm. to be a food writer, um, tell me a little bit about food writing. Um, what does a food writer do? Well, let me tell you a little bit about my journalism first. Um, I've been a journalist for over 25 years, even though I know I, I'm only about 35. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm in my early 50s, and I started journalism um, in my th- very early 30s. And so it was something that happened by accident. I was at university, and I was at UB. And it was on that one day that the Express, the CCN group actually, TV and um, papers, came to UB with an offer for people to come and do an internship. And I remember myself and Camille Moreno, who is now the Sunday editor of the news day, we both went and we were both taken in by the Express. And I think once we got there that day in 1995, we both realized this is it. This is what we wanted to do. Journalism was the thing. Um, Camille stayed in Trinidad. I, I subsequently uh, left for the UK in 1999, came back in 2012. While there, I did my master's. That was the first reason I went. It was supposed to be the only reason. I was supposed to be back the next year 
to figure out what was I was going to do with my life. And I ended up staying in the UK and um, variously worked at the, uh, at the Brighton Argus, which is a paper in Brighton, in the south of England, which is owned by the same company that owns USA Today, the Canet Group. And then I worked at the BBC for the rest of the time I was there. Food writing came to me because, one, I was particularly fascinated by what I found when I got to the UK in terms of the variety. Also because I didn't see a lot of Caribbean food and I thought that for somewhere that had a large Caribbean diaspora, there wasn't enough of it. So I kind of tried my hand at blogging and I pitched a couple of ideas for a couple of places. Some of them were rejected. I think the one that got me really seriously into food writing was one where the editor of a channel, UK TV Food, said to me at the time, oh, well, I don't see much about Caribbean food to shout about. And I think that's the worst thing you could tell a Caribbean person because we know the diversity of our food. Yeah. Uh, I think it was just poorly presented in the UK. So I kind of started writing. I think after that, I, that's when I started blogging in serious, actually. And mm -hmm. I was approached by Caribbean Beat to start doing the cook-up column, which is a monthly column that appears in Caribbean Beat magazine. If you're traveling on Cal, it's a magazine you get in the pouch in front of you. Uh, because yeah, okay. of the, yeah, because of the COVID, you know, obviously we, there hasn't been many editions of the magazine out. And I'm just kind of chomping at the bit to get back into writing about food in, in Caribbean Beat. I also, while I was up in the UK, I did restaurant reviews. I taught people about blogging. I wrote articles for BBC Food. I did a lot of interesting stuff with food. And because I'm a writer and because I, I think that I excel when I write about the things I'm most passionate about as anybody else would, I stuck with food writing. And it was something that really fascinates me because you can tell a lot about the culture and the history of a people by food, what they were eating back in the 50s, you know. Like I say, we look back at, at recipe cards from the 30s and the 40s, we would know there was a war on and that people didn't have many ingredients. And you could tell from the recipes. So if you go through various periods, you would see what was popular, you would understand why things were popular, why things were in vogue, and how that relates as a dominant effect to the rest of the society. So I found myself now in the position where I am actually now broadcasting about food. And I have a program on Talk City. It's called Around My Table that I hope to take online in a serious way very, very soon. And in that program, I, I don't actually talk about cooking because that's not what I do. I do. I'm not there to do that. There are people on YouTube doing that. I talk about specific issues in food, and those issues might be as far and wide as women in food. It might be something like agriculture. It might be something like food prices and... I think definitely food prices is going to be on our agenda for a while. So it's those kind of issues. It's getting to the, you know, it's also talking to people who are involved in food. So farmers, chefs, um, other food writers, which I intend to start doing soon. Um, people like yourself who are into fitness and trying to make that link between eating well and being well, you know. So that is basically me. <laughs> You mentioned um, something 
um, in the beginning, when you talked mm -hmm. about the small idea of what people have about Caribbean food, I believe yes. you wrote in the article, I believe it was in the Express, was it in the Express or Newsday? Your most it, was probably, it was Newsday, yeah. Newsday. And you mentioned they taught jilt chicken more or less was all uh, there was the um, Caribbean food. And it's something in our experience. Uh, much respect to our Jamaican um, Caribbean counterparts. I've got many friends who are Jamaicans. But sometimes they just think everything in the Caribbean is related to Jamaica and they stop there. So in the article you mentioned, jerk, they basically thought jerk chicken was all there was to Caribbean food. But that's not true. That's a small part. I love jerk chicken, but we've got many things. And oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Yes. We have such a diversity of food. But I think all credit to Jamaicans for being as patriotic and loud and um, what they say, feisty about yes. their own culture. So I think that um, Jamaican culture has been so much more exposed in the media whether it's movies, whether it's on television, whether it's in music. And so the very thing that defines them is their food. And so for a lot of people, if you have the biggest culture in the Caribbean facing you, you're very likely to think, well, okay, everybody else is like that. So right. I think that's where, that's where it comes from. But what it means then is that we need to... We need to figure ourselves out, and we need to put ourselves out there a lot more. Um, I think that, for example, we have a lot of great Syrian Lebanese cooking in Trinidad, and the only way you would know that is if you visit somewhere like Adams or um, you visit one of the restaurants. I can't remember the name of the restaurant that the Trent Group owns in the Billiton building. Amara, I think it's called. Okay. Or if you have Syrian friends. But it's great. There's always a little twist. Everything that we do, all the food, Chinese food in Trinidad tastes different than it tastes in the States, than it tastes in the UK, and it tastes in Holland. So there's always a different edge to everything that we do. And for me, it's more about telling the stories about the, the food and the provenance and the freshness and the, the great stuff we can do with our local produce. And I think that is my, that's my whole thing. That's my whole spiel. And that's good, you know, the awareness. Um, and food is tied to so many things. Uh, oh, yes. Business deals are closed over food, family gatherings. It's a really huge part of um, any culture you go to. Food of has course. that warm fuzziness behind it. And most <laughs> people love <laughs> They love to eat. So... Let's switch into health a little. Um, yes. Now, there's this big thing when you sometimes when you go to supermarkets, you see uh, certain health it items or health names written on different products. And one of those things is gluten. Gluten-free this, gluten-free that, you know. Um, what are some gluten-free foods that people could actually eat. I know bread, some people, they can't really eat bread, they can't eat certain flour products because of the gluten in it. Um, what are some gluten-free foods people can eat? Well, first of all, you have to ask yourself, why do you want to eat gluten-free? 
because you know people have this thing about flower is the enemy flower is not the enemy i think everything in excess is the enemy even excessive you know as you know trying to be too perfect is it's going to be bad for you after a while because sometimes you just begin to lose tolerance for a lot of stuff if you just you know i don't i'll be honest right i have friends who are who suffer from celiac disease and i can understand why they eat gluten free but what you have to do is you have to be aware of your own tolerances i don't have a problem with celiac knock on wood or with gluten but I do know when cheap flour is being used because I do feel it. I do get a little bloated. I do get a little gassy. For me, it would be stay away from flour products if you know that that is your thing. So obviously more plant-based stuff. Uh, you could find different alternatives. So I don't know if you know of Moylan Lovell, who is of Moy's Gluten-Free Delights. Moy is always, she's on Instagram. She She's a very, very... Um, what is the word? She's an experimental baker. Moy mm-hmm. is always seeking to find ways to make gluten-free products for people who can't have gluten. She uses things like cassava flour, plantain flour. Remember when I first met Moy, one of the first things we had from her hand was a plantain waffle. Wow. And it was made from plantain flour. And it was really very good. And she's been doing a lot of work. She has also developed things like roti mixes, dalpuri mixes. And the thing is, for gluten-free, people who have to eat gluten-free, looking at those alternatives are the best way. So you look at breadfruit flour, for example. You look at cassava flour, tapioca flour. I did a recipe the other day for a cheesecake that needed to have all-purpose flour. And when I was reading through the comments and doing a little bit of research, I saw somebody saying that you could use tapioca flour to make it more gluten-free. You have to look for gluten-free and everything, even things like soy sauce. You know, there's always a, there's, there are warnings on everything when there's gluten contained. So to me, if you want to live a, a pretty gluten-free existence, I guess, I don't know if that's possible, but keep it plant-based, read your labels, and understand why you're going gluten-free. Um, and, and then you can tailor your cooking to suit you could follow people like Moy, chef people like Chef Bianca Bianco, who's also introducing a new line of gluten-free products coming out soon. Um, there are lots of other people online who do gluten-free stuff. Uh, but to me, if you really want to be sure, keep it pretty plant-based. Use rice, yeah. pe- use rice flour, flour, use oat flour, almond flour, those kind of things. Okay. And yeah. you said... Her name is Moy. Moylan Lovell. M O Y L A N Lovell. L O V E W L. And I think her thing is called Moy's Gluten Free Delights. She's on Instagram. For the time you type in Moy's, it should come up as. Right. Yeah. All right. Tell her I send you. Okay. <laughs> I will. I will. And while we're on the topic of, you know, intolerance. Yes. Sometimes clients they come to me and they're like, I'm trying to get a lactose free protein based powder. You know, because wow. they're trying to, you know, increase their protein intake. And mm-hmm. there are la- lactose free um supplements out there. It's just 
it's a little harder to get sometimes. And expensive, I guess. Yes. Yeah. So I know in our earlier conversation conversation we had, you mentioned goat milk um, can be substituted for people who are lactose um, intolerant people. Yes. Um, touch a little bit on that. Well, goat, well, lactose is kind of common to cows and um, goat milk is very, it's, it's pretty healthy from the perspective of the fact that they have the amino acids within goat milk called the caprolic acid um, that really helps with the digestion. Goat milk is easy. It, it's not for everybody. I will, I will be the first to admit that. Um, it's not the taste of goat milk. It's not a bad taste. It's a taste you have to get used to. And it's actually quite easy to work with. I've made ice cream with it. I've made, uh, I've made lots of things with goat milk. And you can make even your flan, your creme brulees, your creme caramels. Yeah, I, you can do anything with goat milk. You just have to understand that it's not going to be as sweet, I guess, as cow's milk. Um, I don't actually use that much milk in general. I tend towards... Um, if I'm using milk, I use it in porridge, which is something that I try to have as many mornings as I can. Um, but if I have goat milk, I use it. I also use uh, goat's yogurt, which is available on the shelves in Trinidad. Um, okay. Maulisa Farms is one of the people who produces it. Um, there are several other people who do it, but of course, these are smaller artisans who you may have to seek out. Okay. But I recommend I recommend the Marlisa because it's like a familiar taste, a familiar formula. Um, kids like it. It comes in pineapple and sorrel, local and plain. So why not? But yeah, um, goat's milk is is really quite good. It might be a little more costly than regular milk, obviously, um, but it's healthy. It's wholesome. And there's also, you can get it at, you can get goat's milk in most of the supermarkets. If you go to Extra Foods, you may probably get Up the Hill Farms milk more than you would get Marlisa. So there are several producers here that produce good, healthy, creamy goat's milk. And that's really interesting because I mm -hmm. had no idea that it could be used as a substitute. So, oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, it's, it's something I could always recommend. Um, people, you know, to have something like that. And they should go, people should do their research, you know, Keon, and see yeah. how it's used in recipes and see how best they can adjust. Because a lot of times, okay, the, the cooking time might be different or you might be a little scared because, you know, the fat is a different kind of fat to cow's milk. I don't know how else to explain it. Um, but if you're making custard with goat's milk, you have to be that much more careful. And when you're tempering the eggs, for example. Um, so, yeah, do your research. And, and yeah, there's a world of possibilities out there with goat milk and goat meat. Yeah, and, and just go for it. And then the cheese, obviously. And some of my first experiences with goat milk, mm -hmm. I remember, you know, going to, to be good, um, my family and... Having, I believe we had goat goat milk then, as well yes. as remember. I remember going to a place in jo in Saint Joseph and getting mm -hmm. goat milk and actually the butter. So I've tasted it. I've actually found it to be pretty good, um, mm -hmm. but I had no idea. 
Maybe I might go looking for goat's milk sometime soon. Yeah, you can if you go to the supermarkets, you'll see it in a nice big container. Um and they've been very good to us with Gotoba. So the milk is good and try it. You wouldn't you wouldn't look back. Okay. So Franka, what motivates you? I mean you're a food hmm. writer, you are involved, you know, like in the media. What motivates you? I guess it's right to be better all the time motivates me. Love motivates me a lot too. I do a lot of things from love, not for love. Um, the things that I do, I see as useful to other people. I think that one of the things I'm passionate about, one of the things I keep telling people that I, I need to bring more into my work as part of Trinity Good Media is a way of engaging more younger people in the process of understanding why media is important. As you saw last week, we had a debacle in Parliament Correct. where the opposition, and yeah, that whole thing. And you know what's the sad part about it? The sad part about it is that a lot of people just don't understand why it happened, or a lot of people don't quite understand how parliament works so you had a lot of confusion and because the politicians know that the people are not necessarily that educated or aware of what's happening they were able to make to, to spread a little misinformation about what they were trying to achieve and that is quite unfortunate yeah. but i think one of the things one of the key things that motivates me is making great work telling great stories meeting interesting people um going to different places. I wish I could travel more. <laughs> Don't we all? Yes. And, um, you know, basically just being a good person, living my life well, living my life earnestly and honestly and loving myself and the people that I cherish as friends and family. Okay. Well said. And um, is there anything else, you know, you want to leave with everyone before we wrap up? I think, you know, my thing is this, right? You're into fitness. At one point, I have to say, I was, I entered a bodybuilding competition a very long time ago. I was quite young. Okay. And I told myself, I would never do that again. I'm never going to do it again. And various, at various times during my life, I've approached fitness either directly or haphazardly, <laughs> um, indirectly. But now at my age, I, I feel the need to really get back on the train in a serious way and go back to that thing that I like doing, lifting weights and being in the gym, uh, if only because at a certain age, women in particular need to have that muscle and that bone density enhancement that you only get from load-bearing exercise, right? Um, yes. I, actually did, I actually did a course on personal training, so I pretty much know what I should be doing. <laughs> and I think what I'm trying to say is you're never too old to do anything. You never, it's never too late. Nope. So just do what you want to do. Just never stop dreaming. Once you stop dreaming, you start dying. It's because life is full of dreams. And what would life be if you didn't have dreams to chase after? Correct. And dreams to fulfill. So I think people should understand that just go out there, live your dreams, be happy, 
do the things that you want to do, do them in moderation. Um, be good. And just take care of yourself and love yourself first. Is that enough, you think? You think people kind of figure out that that's the way to go? <laughs> yeah, I think some people have it down. Um, some people have given up on their dreams. Uh, I remember hearing a quote many years ago, to dream is free, but to lose it will cost you everything. Yeah. So they gave up on their dreams. They stopped pursuing um, those things that they love, those things that they want to do, but they can always start back. Um, as we mentioned, fitness, fitness is big. As we age, we lose muscle. And sometimes what happens to individuals is because they don't do anything to be active. As they get older, life becomes harder. Getting out of bed, doing the simple things that they were accustomed to doing is a challenge. But if you start now, start working on your health, start working on your fitness, eat good, move a little, it'll go a long way. Because your health so, is a great investment. So, Kion, let me ask you, what motivates you then? Um, what motivates me? I think fitness at this point in time is a tool that can be used to improve every area of an individual's life. So, with me, if you want to call it being an ambassador to health and wellness, to fitness, it motivates me because it impacts, I believe, every area of your life spiritually, mentally, and physically. So for me to keep going, um, if I were to say something, somebody were to read something I would have written, and they were able to make just that one change, mm -hmm. that would motivate me to keep going. Excellent. And I'm sure that you imbue your clients with all of that goodness as well. Yes, I do. Fantastic. Yeah. So... Frank, it was really nice chatting with you. Um, you no problem of, at all. A lot of information. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on board and share your wealth of knowledge with us tonight. No problem. One day we must meet up for a workout. Yes, one day we will. <laughs> all right, Kieran, thanks for having me on. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to... Just talk a little bit about the things I love and I wish you all the best and I hope that you continue on this path finding apparently interesting people to talk to <laughs> and yes, continue, spreading, continue spreading the word about your passion of fitness and telling us why we need to continue doing it. Okay. Thank you and I will. Okay. All right, Keon. You take right, care. Good evening, everyone. Okay. Bye, everybody. Take care. And three quick things before we wrap up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share this episode. And if you'd like to join a growing online fitness community, you can become a part of my Facebook group and follow me on Instagram. Lastly, subscribe to my blog and get a free copy of my ebook, Seven Steps to Actually Crush Your Fitness Goals. My goal is to help transform you using a change mindset, good nutrition, and effective exercise without sacrificing your time and helping you to stay consistent. Talk to you soon.